Welcome to the Tag Your It Podcast. In this episode, we continue the discussion from the livecast, Why We Debate. Um, but we also wanted to hit on the idea of why we debate. Uh, we've got a couple of debates coming up. Uh, we've done some debates in the past. I know we've talked about this issue before. If you've went on our website, uh, if you've gotten a Tag Your It brochure, you've probably heard our points. But I think it's uh, high time that we actually do something on the podcast uh, about this issue on why we debate. And I mean, that's kind of a general uh, thing there. But, you know, why do we debate? Why does Dave and I debate? If you want to get down to the particular that we can talk about or we can just talk about in general, why do Christians, why should Christians debate? And I think that's definitely a good podcast because people really probably don't uh, uh, have that sort of resource to go to. Yeah. And so one of the things that I want to like make sure that I put forward is Adam and I come from a little bit different backgrounds on this element. Um, Adam and I have a different type of training and a different yeah. kind of approach at first. Um, Adam has, and I hope I'm not like... I don't want to misdescribe anything in this, but like Adam certainly has the Saiten Bruggen Kate mindset. Like he is ready to get to the street and get into a dialogue with someone in an informal manner mm-hmm. and essentially obliterate their worldview. Um, just like it says in scripture, we destroy arguments. Yes. And we are called to do that. Like we are called to destroy arguments and hold every thought captive to Christ. It looks kind of different. Sometimes when you obliterate someone's worldview, it's in a one-on-one conversation on the street, and it's a stranger that you won't know. And sometimes obliterating someone's worldview occurs when you are sitting in front of the keyboard, right? That isn't an excuse to uh, obliterate a person. And see, though, my background is I was in high school debate. I was in college debate. I was so fortunate to go to Southwest Baptist University watch some really great debaters and get to debate in some really good tournaments. I was never the best, um, but I did have some really nice individual awards. And so again, as I thought of apologetics, I thought that it was silly. And then I heard James White debate and I was like, man, everything that I learned as a debater is going to be influential in the way I engage lost people in evangelism. Yeah. And so you don't have to be Douglas Wilson or James White or Greg Bonson to benefit from watching an apologetic debate and getting your mindset into the critical examination of arguments. And so uh, we've got eight different little reasons here why we do it. Uh, sorry about that. Oh. My, uh, <laughs> hey, Dave yeah, is coming yeah, through yeah, on yeah, Dave's yeah, computer. I learned as a debater. <laughs> 
I don't know why it did that, but all of a sudden it jumped on. All right, good. That's it's funny. done now. So. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so just uh, you know, just to start out the topic, you know, whenever I started getting into apologetics, talking to people, um, you know, I'm again, like you said, I'm that street guy, or you know, when I'm in the church, I'm like the pew kid. Um, <laughs> not really. I uh, yeah. wasn't really in leadership yet or anything like that. So I'm the pew kid, and so you are saying a traditional Southern Baptist church, and you've got you know a big generation gap all that kind of stuff. You see this, you know, the older folks, they don't really quarrel. They don't talk a whole lot. They don't uh, get into this stuff. So you start talking about apologetics and uh, immediately something comes to mind. It gets this bad rap. Um, they're just kind of like, why debate? Why argue? It just seems like, you know, they're talking past each other. Um, nothing ever gets to cop gets accomplished type of thing. Like their, their mind is so seared to debate. So, you know, it does get, does get that bad rap and so you know that's why um i've had to preach and and teach on apologetics just to go let's pull back those presuppositions let's pull back those preconceived notions of what you have and then let's go to scripture let's look at what happened in scripture let's look at those definitions from scripture and then i've been able to talk people you know like the older generation you know we're meeting on our common thing which is god's word right if they if they love that's god's right. word and you can show it from god's word they'll be like you know what that's awesome okay well i'm not gonna do it they might get to the place well i'm not gonna do it but i see your point now um so you know that's why we need to talk about um this today and this is why after this uh you take these points and you think about them you take it to the word be a berean and then you take it to your church if there's anybody and you gracefully um, tell people, hey, this is what we need to do because this ends up becoming a gospel issue. Yeah, so this is why we're hosting a debate between Travis and Nathan. This is why we are hosting a debate between Adam and Brandon. And this is why we're going to engage individuals, hopefully in October, about animal rights. It's because Scripture actually commands us to go into the marketplace and to engage people. Um, if you look at Acts chapter 17, mm -hmm. Paul is running around Athens. And specifically, it says that when he was in Athens, his, his spirit was provoked. Verse 17 of chapter 17 of Acts, he reasoned in the synagogue with the, with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplaces every day with those who happened to be there. And some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And then they take him to the Areopagus. Yeah. Paul is engaging people with arguments. Yeah. But jump back. And again, one of my most favorite places to jump back to is when you look at, um, actually jumping forward real quick, when you look at what happens with Apollos in Ephesus, it says in Acts 18, verse 28, that he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by scriptures that Christ was Jesus. Yeah. And then um, let's go back from there. What did Jesus do? Yeah. Does everybody like the Beatitudes? You don't think <laughs> Jesus was being an apologist saying, you've heard said, but I tell you, and giving reasons? Yeah. That, you know, he was reasoning with the disciples. He was reasoning with people. Um, this is this idea of, uh, you know, going not apologetic anyway, um, or at least not wanting to debate, um, is just a false, um, definition. Um, you know, what is apologetics? What is debating? 
um, what is all what is all this stuff? And I mean, and it wasn't. I I, I had that sort of idea in my head um, until I came into uh, the presuppositional approach um, because it was um, conflicting. It was arguing. It was flexing my intellectual muscle. Hey, look at me. I've gained all this knowledge, and now I'm going to throw it in your face. And here you go. You're stupid. I come into the presuppositional understanding that's based on the theology that people are made in God's image, that we're all fallen, and if you're in Christ, that's the only difference between you and the next person, um, but still nothing to boast about because you didn't do nothing for it. Um, it was all God's choice, and that's whenever I came into the understanding. Wait a second, pol- apologetics um, is, the go- is doing the gospel. It's evangelism. It's proclaiming, and so all you're doing is just the other side, just like I wrote in uh, my chapter in Show Me Why, um, is there's the coin, there's the proclamation, and then there's the defense. So if you don't think your pastor is doing apologetics on Sunday, I mean, if he isn't, he's not preaching correctly, um, because he's not expounding scripture, and he is not refuting the things that he's seeing in his congregation, or that he's bringing in, illustrating, uh, you know, illustration-wise, you know, from the world around them, and and speaking the truth. Um, into that so that he's instructing his people. If you know, if your pastor is not preaching apologetically, if you're not seeing a refutation and a reasoning approach to that, then you need to talk to your pastor and be like, I'm not seeing this because it's a very key thing to refute things because we get ideas, we're sins, sinners, and we need to be exposed by the Word of God. And apolo- being, an apolo- being apologetic and defending the gospel um, really points that out and points it in your face to get it through your stubborn head. Yeah, and I just want to make sure it's really clear. It is scriptural to mm-hmm. participate in debates, but yeah. not only is it scriptural, we can also see it in church history. Tertullian, a yeah. man who practiced Roman law in the second century, debated vigorously defending Christianity. Justin Martyr, in his two apologies, and his dialogue with Trifo, yeah. um, while not standing up and debating, uh, he did present a case. Luther participated in formal debates with Erasmus that lasted hours and drew large yeah. crowds. I mean, it is exceptionally yeah, important. So Christians basically saying don't if, ignore. Yeah, if you're the a Protestant, yeah, if you're a Protestant, you should be thankful for debate because Martin Luther actually got to debate because the hundred years prior, a guy had the same sort of thing happening with championing uh solar scriptura ideas you know like that's an anachronism but he was championing scripture alone and uh he got burnt out at the stake on his way to have a debate so you know as protestants we should be very happy and willing to debate um, because we are around here today we have baptists presbyterians uh lutherans and and the like because of a debate that went down so we should be very and so, happy yeah to- and i would tell you this it's scriptural for us to engage people in spoken argumentation, presenting the gospel, making our case, persuading people to the best of our ability. And so even though Travis's debate is not necessarily a Nathan's not a Christian and, and Travis isn't a Christian, but they're debating a theological concept, it prepares them to Followed that mandate to contend for the faith yeah. that was once delivered, Jude 3. And so it's scriptural. But uh, one of our other arguments is that it develops one's critical listening. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever been in an argument with a friend and you come to this point where you are 
not really listening to them. You're just wanting to respond. Yeah. When you participate in serious apologetic debate, it forces you to have to pay attention to the arguments of the other side. Like yeah. you critically have to answer them. You have to, again, understand them accurately. You have to process them correctly. Um, it's really interesting. Um, communication theorists Richard Petty and John Capiaccio in their theory, the elaboration likelihood model, they argue that individuals process information through two cognitive routes. Essentially, there's the central route and then there's the peripheral route. Mo the majority of the time, we, we process information through the peripheral route. Yeah. But Christians are called to carefully think through relevant arguments that contain persuasive communication. And so it's critical, in my mind, uh, it's critical for us to hear the other side well and know how to respond. And debate, apologetic debate, allows us to do that. Does that make sense? Uh, totally. Totally makes sense. So yeah, so you know, um, we got we have a developing critical critical listening, and I mean, uh, as a mandate from Scripture, anyway, um, we're supposed to be uh, quick to listen and slow yeah. to speak. And so, yeah, like he's saying here, you know, whenever you're in a debate situation, so this is coming from a guy that went from the street. Dave has uh, been awesome in teaching me the ways of formal debate, um, and that's you know still something I've definitely got to hone. But it's definitely you are trapped, um, <laughs> and you have to listen to the person. And you better listen to the person or else you're going to make a fool of yourself when you have to come back and rebut that person's argument. Um, and if you want to earnestly contend for the faith, um, becoming, and so like this is Paul, you know, evangelistically becoming like them. So becoming a intellectual type person, um, using that as an avenue to preach the gospel. I mean, you better listen. You better do what scripture tells you because it's wise um, to make you the man of God complete, right? And it's telling you be quick to listen and slow to speak it gives you you know it traps you in there or else you're going to either make a fool of yourself or you're going to get kicked out of the debate <laughs> still making a fool no, of right yourself right on brother right and on so you know it does put you in that position of studying and uh, representing and lets you be a good christian witness so that you can justify your faith by your works by the way on youtube you have posted our two debates yes. i am thankful that you did that i appreciate it Check them out if you're listening to us. You can watch Adam and I in action. Watch us in action on those yeah. debates, and you could go back after you watch them and listen to the follow-up programs from yeah. those debates. But here's the other thing. A majority of our communication today uh, doesn't take place spoken yeah. in the spoken forum. It takes place in the writing and the writing moments. And so I believe that debate is important as well for the Christian apologist. Because it strengthens your writing yeah. as well. Because in a debate, you're going to have to write a case. Oh, yeah. And therefore, you're going to become a better persuader in action because you're having to write through your argumentation. So uh, just jumping to the next one, not trying to like speed through oh, them, yeah. but it also demonstrates Christian ethics. Yes. What do I mean by that? Again, ethics is, again, the formal study of what is right and what is wrong. Um, Christians, of course, define ethics differently than anyone else because we have a Christian worldview that demands that our understanding of what is right and what is wrong 
comports with the nature of what God has defined yeah. as right and wrong. And so when a Christian in a debate setting applies the Christian ethic to their argumentation, it demands that they be truthful, that they be sincere, that they be loving, that they be logical. And yeah. all of those are attributes that are inherently linked to the Christian worldview and its definition of ethics. Yeah. So it allows you to present that. Yeah, and then it definitely, you know, that leads you to, like you said, worldview. Why do you believe what you believe? What What do you know um, about what you believe? And so we're getting into that, you know, it you, you'll end up, instead of just debating uh, the person that uh, you're contending with, but you'll end up having to be forced into... Well, I've got to practice what I preach, right? So if I'm Amen. going to debate this, do I believe this? And so whenever you go in through your study, you end up finding your worldview. You find out what you believe. And then if you're a Christian, you're going to go to the standards of Scripture. And you might find stuff like, oh, I was wrong on that because the Bible says this, you know, through proper exegesis and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. It helps you critically examine your own worldview, becoming uh, more of an apologetical mind, a more like a debating uh, mind. So it's going to, you're going to have to, and I, 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 I can't recommend the book uh, much more and more like I, cause I already have, uh, but covenantal apologetics by Scott Oliphant yeah, talks amen. about um, the uh, platonic trivium where it's the ethos, um, the pathos and the logos. And we know what the logos is. That's the word, right? And so we are, we yeah. should already know about the word, but the ethos is yourself. The pathos is your audience, right? Your person, um, and so in a debate, the thing is, you're not just debating the person next to you um, without, you know, the gospel going out to more people, right? You're out of a debate. There's people there. So you're not, you've got this pathos, um, but first you've got to work on your ethos too. So who are you? Uh, are you living a life um, that is in, in, in line with the principles that you're talking about? So your action, yeah. your principle, your practice together, you've got to work on those with the logos, um, you know, and then, then you're able to go to the pathos. So, uh, first, um, things first, whenever you're a debater, you've got to work on yourself. Um, not just, we're, we're not just talking about the writing abilities, but we're not just talking about the eloquence of your speech. We're talking about you. What do you yeah, believe? Amen. What do you know? How do you know it? And how are you going to then get it out to that pathos? And I think, and the other element that that just like breeds right, like just goes right on into, not only does it force you to enact the Christian ethic, it forces you to critically examine your worldview and the worldview of others. And those things go hand in hand. And it was really cool. I got to be on the Pastors Discussion podcast. That's John Hawkins' podcast uh, on Friday. Yeah, on Friday mm. evening, I got to be on his podcast, which is really cool. Yeah was very nice of John to reach out to me. And he asked me, you know, how do you develop a Christian worldview is basically what we talked about. And we always want to define that term. Um, James Sires says that a worldview is a set of presuppositions, mm -hmm. which we hold about the basic makeup of our world. Yeah. And everyone has a worldview. And when you debate, specifically when you're debating someone who's a non-Christian, you get to analyze and critically examine their worldview. And when you debate a Christian, you get to test their enactment of the Christian worldview for consistency while you're yeah. testing your own. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, yeah. And so I'm um, just moving along on these. 
we debate because it causes you to have to develop your apologetic to fit various different audiences too. Um, mm -hmm. Greg Bonson once put it that just because you use the same bullet many times does not mean that your ammunition is bad. Yeah. Keep shooting, yeah. right? And the reason I say that is Christians think I've got to adjust all these things or, or get a quick fix for my argument so that I know how to, to beat people, right? And so uh, when we debate, we are actually going to be using the same bullets yeah and it's one of those things because over and over again yeah, because of the christian worldview you should know um even if th th this is this is the problem that we have our debates between classical or evidential apologists and the presuppositional covenantal side um is, is just that um we have a solid hermeneutic we have hmm. the point Amen. of contact um you know you can try to do scriptural gymnastics, but we know that people have get, been given evidences and evidences and evidences because the all-knowing God who has condescended and spoken to us through the fathers and the prophets, finally through Jesus Christ and the apostles, um, we know that they already know that they see this stuff in the created order. They already know the triune God exists, and they've been given all the evidence in the world, and they're rejecting it. So, from the Christian worldview, it is irrational to keep on giving them evidence that they're already saying, nope, don't, nope, nope, that's, nope, doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that. It's one of the, when it, so from the other side, we can attack. You are made in the image of God. So, for one, we've got the pathos we've got the definition of what our pathos is. We know who we're speaking to. We know what they already know um, and what they're suppressing. And so then it gives you, like what I'm saying now is it, it, it reinforces sound theology, which is the next point. Um, it yeah, gets you down right to on. That, what is sound theology? Because whenever you get into apologetics, and this is Saiten Briggenkate and my sort of testimony, um, being in the apologetics, like starting in and seeing what's out there, what's the landscape like, um, going from classical to presuppositional, as because I was, I really like William Lane Craig and all that kind of stuff, and I remember learning about tag and laughing at it for a while, and then I forgot about it, <laughs> stayed in the Frank Turek and all that kind of stuff camp, and then I came to the presuppositional side and went, uh, that was dead wrong over there, and so, but it took me a while to to get on it, um, but you know, it was my study of apologetics, um, my watching these debates and all that kind of stuff. Um, so from the other side, instead of just learning how to debate, watching debates and learning what they look like, uh, what Dude. they sound like, and it reinforced sound theology because I ended up hearing Sy Tim Brudenkate saying what I just said. You're giving them evidence. They're already rejecting it. You're being irrational. And I had to go, theologically, I am being irrational. <laughs> so You know, Adam, like, I'm probably going to sound really funny on this, but I'll go ahead and confess it anyways. I went back and watched the videos. Um, not all of them, uh, but I watched some good portions of our debates when you posted them on YouTube. Mm. And I kept like, just, I mean, literally I was thanking God for how he used other apologists and their debates to drive me into scripture yeah. and to understanding more and more the nature of who God is. Yeah. No, I can certainly, I will never plumb the depths of scripture and my understanding of God, but good apologetic debate drove me deep into scripture. 
which drove me deeper into loving God and striving to know who he is and glorifying him by knowing who he is. Yeah. Not in a prideful way. Maybe at times when I first jumped into apologetics, it got I got a little prideful and arrogant. And, and, and in all reality, I think that we're always as Christians going to be wrestling with uh, being prideful. I certainly believe that. Now, not to pretend like I've got it all together, but I certainly was blessed by apologetic debate driving me deeper into God's word and giving me a greater love for sound theology, which again glorifies God. Yeah, yeah. And, and my last, yeah, and our last two uh, are awesome. Yeah. It's impossible to lose. Yeah. It is impossible to lose a moderated Christian apologetic debate. Yes. That might sound like a major claim. But here it comes. But it is true. By and what standard? That's the debate that's setting. The <laughs> yes. The debate setting is a chance for one to preach the, the gospel. gospel. Yep. And allow the Holy Spirit to do what he will. Yeah. And so again, you because of your sound hearing. theology, it's impossible to lose because you understand at, I guess Paul was a loser. <laughs> Paul was a loser apparently because he didn't get everybody to believe. Oh, but your your theology informs you that that is a choice of God regenerating people um, by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so some Amen. believe, some did not. Do you realize that Jesus resurrected, spent 40 days with people, was on the mountain and some still doubted? Shows you that yeah. evidence doesn't mean anything to people. They, yeah. They're going to, you know, a rebeller is going to rebel. And so some, they, they still had doubts on the mountain seeing the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so we understand that some people are going to believe, some people are not going to believe. It's not our work or else we wouldn't do apologetics. We wouldn't do evangelism if it was based on us. Um, so and yeah, it's impossible to lose because we have the standard by which to judge. And how do we, how are we successful when we the debate, whenever we do our proclamation. And ultimately, it's it's evangelistic. We yeah. do it because it's evangelistic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you might say, well, wait a second, why would you debate another Christian, and how is debating another Christian evangelistic? Number one, I think that it, it, it should draw us deeper into Scripture anytime we engage another Christian. And if we have a disagreement with another Christian, Evangelon we is should just, yeah, be yeah. able to separate audiophora yeah right the non-essentials from the essentials yeah and then it's also and, you know the, the word evangelistic is based on the word the evangel which is evangelon which is the gospel disciples right. need the gospel christians need the gospel christians still struggle with doubt St christians still struggle with unbelief or else peter was written in vain and uh, so the thing is, why would we uh, debate other Christians? Well, we are continually and contending for the faith within our own camp because we still have times of unbelief, and we have to admit that. We can't be legalistic and then push things under a rug because we know we just talked about um, on that last one um, what happens, and things bad things happen whenever you're legalistic and you push things under the rug like that. So we need to open yeah. our air. We still struggle with unbelief. We've got people um, like I'm going to be be debating a Freemason, and it's definitely an anti-gospel message that is taught uh, within the ritual and ceremony of that uh, brotherhood of people. 
Um, and so he's a Christian. He's professing to be a Christian. Well, I want to find out, you know, where, where does his, it's, it's it, Freemasonry is two different covenants. You're covenant in Jesus Christ and you're in covenant with the brotherhood of man. And so in that debate, you're going to see either um, you'll, you'll see that there's two masters and he can't serve them both. Um, and I hope that, you know, in that, in that context, I get to reconcile a brother um, to Jesus Christ and say that it's superfluous to be a Freemason. It's actually harmful to discipleship and uh, speed him on to making disciples and not Freemasons. So, you know, that'd be an you example know, and here's of the great Christian thing, debate. though, and I, I want to make sure I hit in that. You'll also get to hear how he is dealing with things, and you're not going to not listen to him. And that's yeah. one thing that, you know what, you might walk away with some different views, and you're not going to hate the guy no. and belittle him. But here's the beauty of it. You will certainly understand where he is and how he's gotten there. Yeah. And he's going to hopefully put forward positions that are just as well as me. Yeah. Right. And so that's going to be a really important thing. Uh, and, and I'm excited for that dialogue. It's going to be a, a good thing. Um, and so is our King James only us debate. Yeah. Um, that will be awesome, and so will our debate be, uh, hopefully, when it occurs, uh, with the folks at uh, the with the animal rights activists. So yeah. there is, uh, yeah, there is our our arguments for why um, apologetic debate is a good thing. And How's if that? you uh, and if you would like these to be put into a booklet and produced by the Tagurit Ministries and published by Tagurit Ministries, let us know. And and if you would want to get a copy of something like that, let us know. Give us some feedback on that idea. If you'd like to see a uh, booklet come out on uh, why Christians debate, if that's something that you could utilize in your church, if you're interested in something like that, um, that would probably speed us along on uh, getting something written down. If we knew. Um, that it would, it would be an interesting thing to you and that you could utilize that um, as a tool to use in your churches, um, among your friends and your community groups, just whatever um, you, you're, you're in discipleship wise. Um, and I think I've lost Dave anyway. So anyway, I guess I'll end up uh, ending the show like that, but uh, <laughs> unless he calls back here in a few minutes. Um, but anyway, um, if that's something that you'd like to uh, like for us to do, let us know, interact um, on that. But uh, anyway, with that said, uh, with with an hour and 23 minutes in to our podcast, um, I'll end it. So with the Tag Your Podcast, I'm Ray Ray, and that was Dave and Soli Deo. Gloria. Yeah.